I remember a game out at Old Met Stadium. Neither punter was doing great. And I go to my ninth floor apartment window and I'm screaming at God. You said that you would give me the desires of my heart if I did the right things. I'm praying. I'm working out. I'm doing all the things that you asked me to do. I say, I want to play football so bad. Hey, I'll, I'll even play for the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> and I close the window. The next day, I got a call from the Minnesota Vikings and spent the next 10 years here. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back. It's another episode of Skull Stories. I'm your host, Mike Wapshaw, inside TCO Studios at Winter Park. A busy and short week for your Minnesota Vikings as they go to Lambeau Field for the penultimate game of the season. It's this Saturday night. You can hear the game on the Vikings Radio Network. Paul Allen, Pete Bursich, Greg Coleman, and Ben Lieber will have the call. Speaking of Greg Coleman, he is our guest on tonight's Skull Stories a past and current member of the Minnesota Vikings family. Greg was a punter for a long time for the Vikings, and he is a member of the Vikings Radio Network right now, a beloved member of the organization to this day, does a lot of work inside and outside the walls of Winter Park. You're going to hear a lot from Greg, his time as a player and his time with the Vikings after his playing career. Greg and I could go all night talking Vikings and talking about his career and his life. Unfortunately, we only have 20 minutes, so we're going to get as much in as we can. Here is Greg Coleman. So this will be a pretty easy interview because uh, I didn't really have to make any notes or research anything because Greg Coleman is a close member of the family and I get to see him regularly. And Greg, you and I could talk for, um, well, let's see, KFAN runs original programming um, from, you know, like 530 (laughs) to 630. So like we could talk that whole time. But they're only going to give us about 20 minutes. Probably could. We can we can make that work. Yeah. So uh, we got a lot that we could get to. Um, but, you know, for fans listening who know you because they hear you on the Vikings radio network on the sideline, you know, they should also know that you were a player for the Vikings. You played for the Vikings. You were the Vikings punter for 10 seasons. Yeah. Those were some good years, weren't they? It, those, those were some great years. And, and you know, Wabi, as I look back, you talk about history, historian, uh, I think I may be number five or six on the list, going back to Bud Grant, Fred Zamberletti, uh, Jerry Reichow, Scott Studwell, Dennis Ryan. Dennis Ryan and is I'm up there. Si- and I'm six on the list. Yeah. So in terms of history with an organization, um, you know, I'm humbled by that. Mm-hmm. But But also to see the growth of this organization, how far we've come, especially to this point, yeah. It's incredible. It's been an incredible run. Yeah. So you're hard to get rid of. That's what you're saying. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's I, I a know good where, trait. I know where a lot of skeletons are buried, yeah. and I got a lot of pictures <laughs> on a lot of people. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, that's a good trait to have. Um, you know, you you were the Vikings punter from 78 to 87. Yeah. And since then, you've remained close um, through your current role now. And even, you know, you do some things maybe behind the scenes with uh, with ministry and being a really close confidant to some people in the front office. So it's going to be hard to get to everything, and we can't mm-hmm. you know, tonight. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to just try and touch on a few things maybe that I think are poignant uh, okay. points of your of your time with the Vikings, Sounds if good. I may do so Absolutely. myself. Absolutely. Everyone knows the term coffin corner, and, and we always hear special teams coordinators talk now about it doesn't matter how far we kick it. We're not trying to boom it 60 yards down the field. We want to be accurate. You were kind of ahead of your time when it came to that. Um, and the term coffin corner was kind of termed because of your ability to pin punts inside 
um, inside the tent and, and really at the corner by the pylon. Wabi, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, that started didn't start in the pros. It started in college at Florida A&M. Okay. My, my special teams coach and my kicking coach, uh, Pop Kittles, uh, Pop would come up in and he said, uh, you know, he had a great punt right down the middle. He said, well, baby, why you kick it down the middle? I said, well, Pop, that's where he is. Yeah. He said, well, baby, kick it where they ain't. I said, Pop, what do, you, what do you mean? He said, well, kick it where they ain't. Why kick it right to him? Why don't you make him run to the right, run to the left? You can pin him into the sideline. He doesn't know where you're going. And if you continue to do it at a high level, they'll find a place for you at the next level. Mm-hmm. I said, Pop, I'm at AM. He said, Baby, if you do it consistently, <laughs> they'll find a place for you at the next level. And being a 14th round draft choice back in 76 by these, the Cincinnati Bengals, who we you know, beat uh, last week for the NFC crown, mm-hmm. uh, drafted in the 14th round in a 17 round draft back in the day. So I was not a big bonus baby. They weren't looking for me to make it. Yeah. But because of my speed, they tried me at different other positions. I ran a 4 4 2 coming out of FAM. Uh, so they tried me at wide receiver, defensive back. So I didn't make it that first year. But I graduated, taught high school history back in my hometown of Jacksonville, Florida, at my high school. And the following year, I got a shot with Cleveland. Uh, had a fairly decent season with Cleveland. Um, man, Forrest Gregg gave me a shot. They drafted a kid in the second round, Tom Skladani, out of Ohio State. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to play at Cleveland. He wanted to play it in Detroit, one of these dome stadiums. Forrest said, heck with Skladani, you're my guy. I punted, uh, had a decent year, my rookie year. The second year, Art Modell goes back in, who was the owner of Cleveland at the time, drafted another punter kid by the name of Johnny Evans, saying that you're going to be my punter. I said, okay. They fired Forrest. Samuel Tigliano comes in. Hey, the best man is going to get the job. I say, Sam, cut me now. Let me go. No, no, no. The best guy's going to get the job. I led the league that entire preseason with a 49.8-yard average. The Thursday before the regular season, I get this call. Hey, Sam wants to see you. I go in. If you listen to Sam Ritigliano, he could talk the water out of wet. <laughs> I say, Sam, I'll believe you. I said, but I'm telling you, you should let me go now because I know how this drill works. Long story short, get cut. Try it with three or four other different teams. We were still living in Cleveland, downtown Cleveland. My wife was, Ellen was pregnant with our first child. And, um, man, I tried out. Nobody wanted to make, make the switch. I remember a game between the Minnesota Vikings and the Los Angeles Rams out at Old Met Stadium. Neither punter was doing great. And I go to my ninth floor apartment window and I say, God, I'm screaming at God at this point. I said, you said that you would give me the desires of my heart if I did the right things. I'm praying. I'm working out. I'm doing all the things that you asked me to do. I said, I want to play football so bad. Hell, I'll even play for the Minnesota Vikings. (laughs) And I closed the window. The next day. I got a call from the Minnesota Vikings and spent wow. the next 10 years here. Now, talking about kicking to the corners, the team was practicing at one end of the old Met. The second or third day of practice, Bud Grant would always go in. I said, I got to do something to get his attention. Team was at the other end. I go get three trash barrels, put one at the goal line, one at the five, and one at the 10. I take a bag of balls, maybe 10 balls, go to the 50, and I start kicking them into the garbage cans. Yeah. Put one in the goal line, one, two in the five, and one in the 10. And that got his attention. It got the attention of, of some of my t- future teammates. I'll never forget Bobby Bryant, Ahmad Rashad, and Ricky Young. Ahmad Rashad said, God dang, boy, you got to have some touch to do that. Thus came my nickname. Your nickname, Touch. Touch Coleman. Yeah. And kicking to the corners was my forte. And Bud said, can you do that whenever you want? I said, Bud, all I need is an opportunity. The rest is history. That is really cool. Yeah. You were part of um, 
an era, the Purple People Eater, Bud Grant era, yes. and then you were part of the bridge to the next one. Yes. You know, we had Scott Studwell as, uh, as an interview on Skull Stories a couple yeah. of weeks ago. Really interesting time in Vikings history. Unbelievable. You know, to 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 be a part of a team in an organization. We saw Fran Tarkinen down in Atlanta a couple of weeks ago yeah. to hear some of his stories. Fran was my captain. Fran actually gave me a pair of gloves because being from Florida, he said, man, your hands are going to freeze out here. I said, yeah, you're right. Gave me a pair of gloves, and he said, now, when Bud comes to you, and he's going to ask you, where'd you get him? You tell him you got him from me. And sure enough, it was one winter game. I had my gloves on. Bud sneaks up behind me. He says, you know we don't wear gloves here. Where do you get them from? I turned. I said, I got them from Francis. And he looked. Well, <laughs> keep them in your pocket. I said, okay. You know, Fran was, yeah. Fran was bigger than life. Chuck Foreman, Jim Marshall, Carl Eller. Ron Yeri, you know, Scott Studwell, Jeff Seaman, Bobby Bryant, the, the Paul Krause, the Great list goes names. on and yeah. on and on. Ahmad Rashad, Sammy White. It was unbelievable. Yeah. You and know? and you're one of those names, Greg. Isn't that pretty cool? I mean, you remember yeah. the 40th anniversary team yeah. that the Vikings yeah. it named? Was, it, it is so special. It yeah. is so special. And now that I'm on the other side, I can really appreciate so much what that means what it meant at that time. You you don't really get the full ramifications of what that means. Mm-hmm. But man, it is it is awesome. It is it is very, very special. Yeah. Now I, I know that you're a member of the football hall of fame at Florida A and M and yes. you received some track and field accolades as a youngster in Florida. Were you ever able to use that athleticism as a punter with like fakes and <laughs> I know that you said you tried out as like a receiver and yeah. a DB, right? But yeah, as a yeah. punter, were you able to use your athleticism? Bobby, like my first game here against the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. We were leading maybe by two or three points. Bud hadn't said anything to me the whole game. He comes up to me and he says, hey, do anything, but don't get it blocked. Okay. Oh, man, why you got to tell me that? Yeah. Ball comes to me. The first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to do what the coach says. I'm not going to get it blocked. So I yeah. peek up, which is a cardinal sin against for any punter to look up. Okay. Because I felt that the rush was coming. I had Fred McNeil and Matt Blair to my right. Uh, so I stepped up, and I thought the guy was going to block it. It was fourth and thirteen, so I pull it down and I take off around the right side. <laughs> I mean, we listen. We got Ahmad Rashad, Sammy White, Chuck Foreman in the backfield, Fran Tarkin in as a quarterback. And if they can't get 11 yards, what in the ham fat make you think that I can get it? But I took off, and I'm hauling butt towards the sideline. Think I got it. I dive towards the chain. I'm saying, man, my first game here, I'm going to be the GOAT. I'm going to, you know, all, yeah. of the, all of this stuff goes through your head. They get up and they stretch out the chain. Wabi, I come up about an inch short. No. And I got dirt and grass and stuff in my helmet. So as I walk off, you know, as I run off, man, the defense comes on. Hey, brother, don't worry about it. We got your back. We never had anybody to run. You got a lot of guts and all this kind of <laughs> stuff. They high-fiving me. Yeah. I'm saying, damn, man, I just got here. My first game, my last game, are going to be against the Green Bay Packers. So I go, took the long way around to the bench. Bud Grant comes over, and he says, uh, hey, what happened on that? I said, well, Coach, you said do anything, but don't get it blocked. I didn't get it blocked. And he just kind of looked at me and well, next time you run around here, you damn sure better make it, okay? <laughs> so that was my first interaction yeah. with Bud Grant yeah. in the team. But yeah, you know, people talk about Marquette King, uh, his in athleticism. Yeah. Uh, Marquette is, is, a, is a mentee. Uh, he found me his junior year at, at Fort Valley State and have been 
sharing some things with him on my experience. As, and we've got a great relationship. He's a great kid. He's a punter who happens to be a great athlete, just like I was a punter. Happened to be a pretty good athlete yeah. as well. Were you? You were a holder as well. I was a holder as yeah. well. Uh, I had to argue with Bud Grant because Paul Krause was a holder, and then Keith Nord. Both of those guys got hurt, and uh, I said, "Bud, I'm the likely guy." He said, "Well, hell, you can't hold. Your hands are your hands are too small." <laughs> I said, "Well, Bud, if my hands are too small, why am I the punter? I got the best hands on the team. Have you ever seen me drop a punt?" Yeah. Well, no. I said, your receivers, your running backs, they fumble, they miss balls all the time. I got the best hands on the team. Why not trust me to do it? I said, okay, give you a shot. And I was a holder since then. So, I mean, you're, you're standing up to Coach Grant sometimes. Oh, oh he, I thought I was, he thought I was strange. I love he, it. <laughs> he thought I was strange, which, which I was. Yeah, you know, we're all strange. Man, I'm just having a great time. I'm in the National Football League, Wabi. Yeah. You know, grew up. Poor part of uh, Jacksonville, Florida, yeah. called Mixon Town. You know, just saw Johnny Randall's uh, a, f- a football, football life. life yeah. I could really relate to that. Uh, so I was very appreciative, and and just enjoyed every moment of being a part of the Purple. Yeah. The last thing I want to ask you about your playing days before we transition to your post playing days and what you're doing now is the 1987 season. You know, and that was the subject of um, last week's goal stories. Was mm. the 1987 season, and of course, the Vikings made a dramatic run to the NFC title game, yep. and um, you were on that team. But yeah. interestingly, you were also on the Redskins the next season, yeah. in 1988, which is who the Vikings lost to in the NFC title game. So, sort of an interesting perspective. Um, that you have, and I'd kind of like to hear a few thoughts that you have from those two seasons. Well, I thought I'd died and gone to heaven uh, again the second time when I got picked up by the Redskins. Mm -hmm. And they had just come off a Super Bowl win, and some of the icons of that team, Doug Williams and Gary Clark and Art Monk and uh, just phenomenal names, you know, the Hogs. Joe Gibbs... And Bud Grant is one of the most remarkable coaches in the National Football League, in in the history of the National Football League. And I would put Joe Gibbs right up there next to him. Coach Gibbs said, Greg, listen, I know your family is back in Minnesota. Uh, Listen, just just show up on Wednesdays. You know, after the game, just show up on Wednesdays. So I would actually come back to Minnesota, and I would come back to the building. And I'd see Bernsey and some of the coaches, and Bernsey said, well, hell, they cut you already? I said, no, we're, we're off until Wednesday. He said, what in the blankety blank, 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 you mean you're off until Wednesday? I said, well, it's called Victory Monday. We don't have to go in. Well, what do you do about the film? We don't watch the film. We watch the film on Wednesday. That's when Bernsey started to implement Victory Monday, giving the guys Monday off and be back on Wednesday because Tuesday is your normal day off. But those were some great, great years, the tail end of my career. And uh, I I was just so fortunate, Wabi, to be a part of two of the greatest organizations in the history of the National Football League. Okay, we have more of our conversation with Greg Coleman coming up after the break. But before we go, a programming note. Join host Mike Musman along with Latavius Murray at Woody's in Bayport on Thursday at 5.30 p.m. for a live broadcast of Vikings Country. You could win some great prizes, including tickets in the Miller Lite Lounge at U.S. Bank Stadium. Visit vikings.com slash vikingscountry for more info and a full schedule. Also, it's the holiday season. Do you know someone with the heart of a Viking who deserves to go to Super Bowl 52? 
share their story and help us honor the most deserving fans in our community with a pair of tickets to Super Bowl 52. Nominate fans at vikings.com slash heart of a Viking or use the hashtag heart of a Viking on social media. Stay tuned. More with Touch Coleman coming up after the break. Hey everyone, it's Wabi and it's Skull Stories. More of our conversation with Greg Coleman coming up in a minute, but first, be the first to know breaking Vikings news access video on demand and get ticket alerts all on your phone with the Minnesota Vikings app. Download today in the App Store and Google Play. We have an awesome conversation going on right now with Greg Coleman. Let's get back to it. Welcome to Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. 9-2 Minnesota Vikings football is on the air. And Greg Coleman on the sidelines kicking it off with that patented pregame preach. Boys, last week we tamed the Lions on Thanksgiving. That was a pretty good meal, but just can't get fat and sassy. These Falcons, they ain't got much meat on the bones, but it's still a pretty good meal, and it tastes like chicken, especially if you're hungry. Now, I'm reminded <laughs> in a, of a story in the Bible when it says all of a sudden a storm appeared. We're going to be in some storms, boys. Mark 4:39. it said, he arose, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm, and that's the kind of resolve that Mike Zimmer's bunch has got to have today, but you know, you're either going into smack dab in the middle or coming out of a storm, your resolve is going to be tested, and this team is certainly going to be tested in hot Atlanta today. The O-line is going to be tested. Against a pass rush, that's pretty good. they got to give Thielen, Diggs, Rudolph some time to do their magic. Don't sleep on Jet and the L-Train. Defense, you got to contain Matt Ryan. They might have a Julio and a Sanu, but we got something called roads are going to be closed. We had some crooked kicks last week, but I still believe in Kai Quiggs, Kevin and the special teams. These dirty birds, they're flying high right about now, but we got to pluck the winds, pluck, pluck their wings and bring them back down to earth. Now, if you believe it, I want everybody in the Purple Covenant, stand to your feet if you're driving, pull over to the side of the road, press your palms to the sky, and repeat after me, I believe in the power of the Purple. Paul, Pete, Ben, do you believe it's time to put some stakeum on these dirty birds? Boom! Red Hot Minnesota Vikings football is in the air. You know, I think listeners of the radio network, um, the pregame routine is the same as every other NFL team and game with the exception of one thing. We have the coin toss and the national anthem and the starting lineups, but we also get the pregame preach. How did that start? How much work do you put into it? Do you practice it the night before the game to make sure the timing is right? I mean, talk about that because the pregame preach is a distinct part of the Vikings radio network. Well, prior to being a part of... Uh, the radio broadcast. You know, I uh, went to theology, you know, seminary, and and uh, was ordained in 2000 as a minister and ordained as a a pastor in 2006. So when Paul Allen came in, we used to come down during that same segment, Coleman Keys to the game, mm-hmm. and they were very similar. And one game, I don't know if Paul was feeling a little rambunctious or whatever, but he said, you know, we're going to go down to the preacher for the pregame preach. Yeah. And thus created this phenomenon uh, of pregame ritual. And God can use anybody. He even used a jackass to help share the gospel. And I qualify for that. And as he continued going down to the pregame preach, I said, well, why not? tie that in with a scriptural reference or a spiritual reference that relates to this football team, maybe something that we had talked about in chapel the night before or some amazing 
miracle by a, a guy coming back from an injury mm-hmm. or it just goes a lot of different ways and sometimes I'll have a thought the night before sometimes the moment before the game you know the good lord will change it I, I jot down a few notes but it's it's something that I say that I have the largest congregation as a pastor in the upper midwest the only thing that I don't do is have an altar call or a collection yeah um but it's it's just a phenomenon that I'm appreciative of, and this organization allowing me to use a natural gift, a part of who I am, to allow me to use that platform, not in an abusive way, but to tie in the spiritual connection of the men on this football team is just unbelievable. Yeah, because um, you know you do spend time with the players and the coaches and any staff who want to participate chapel the night before a game home or or road right and obviously faith is important to you absolutely but but when it became that way and and why you want to do that with well even as a player even as a player our current chaplain tom lamphere was a rookie chaplain when uh when he came here in 85 i believe Mm -hmm. and i was one of the chapel leaders so tom and i have a great relationship even dating back uh to 1985 uh, years pass and he came back, came full circle, who's now the current chaplain of the team. So our relationship has been in place. I think that marketplace ministry is is a unbelievable call of God and, and utilizing that platform, whether it's in the building, outside of the building, inside of the four walls of the church, outside of the four walls of the church. Because let's face it, our guys don't get an opportunity to go to church on Sunday. We have a, right. a fellowship uh, and mass on, on a Saturday night, uh, Bible study on a Thursday night. So that's the extent of their spiritual growth. And in between that, you have guys and staff with questions and struggles and, you know, how do I deal with this? You know, my wife is sick or my child is sick. And, and we do a lot of things behind the scene to help the man. The coaches do the football stuff. We, we help grow the spiritual nature of these young men uh, because, let's face it, sooner or later they will all be a person like me, right. a former player. Right. Uh, and it's what you do in the meantime that's going to carry you outside of you yeah. know, your, your football days. You know, so s- some people aren't spiritual, yeah. so, but you still are able to form a bond with them Absolutely. somehow. You, and, you, and where I think it really shows, Greg, is um, the post-game interviews that you do for the radio network, whether it's with Mike Zimmer or a, uh, a player after a tough loss or an emotional win, that comes out in those interviews. Well, I try to treat our players like I wanted to be treated. If, if, if it was a bad football play, it's a bad football play. Mm-hmm. I don't have to, to go to the point of trying to belittle a player or make him feel worse than he already does, that I will never throw a player under the bus. A player coach, I will never do that. And I think over the years, some of the older players will share that with some of the younger players. Because it's a brotherhood, and, and, and I know players are so weary of media. And I'm a hybrid. I'm, a, I'm between a media, but I'm not. Yeah. Because, I'm, you know, when we lose, I hurt like hell. Yeah, I know. I feel, I, I, I feel I, the I same way. Too. Yeah. I'm an emotional player. I'm a passionate player anyway. And, and, and the passion comes through in the pregame preach and, and sometimes with my interview. I mean, when talking with Teddy last week, I told him, I said, man, I don't know who was more emotional at you getting back on the field, you or me, because I saw what he went through to get back on the field. Mm-hmm. I know the range of emotion. I, I know where he stands. I know where he came from down in Liberty City. Another great story would be a football life of Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, that's an incredible story. So 
we connect on, on so many different levels, but it's about respect. I respect our players, whether they are spiritual or not. They understand that I'm one of them. I'm older one of them. I can be an older brother. I can be a dad. I, I can be some of these kids' granddads. And having the private conversations, whether we're on the plane or, you know, here in the building at lunch or, you know, or even outside of the building, I just relished and humbled by the opportunity uh, to continue to be a part of this organization. You know, and we talked about that. You mentioned it kind of at the top of the interview is um, that you feel very fortunate to still be a part of the organization and be close with some of the people in the front office. Well, one of the projects that um, a lot of people have been working on, including Kevin Warren uh, and yourself uh, and many others, is the Vikings Legends program. Um, you know, and it's been really important to the Wilfs to make the alumni feel as still part of the family. And you've been important. In Let that. me tell you something. When Mike Zimmer got hired a few years ago, I come in the building, I go to introduce myself. He said, Greg, you don't have to introduce yourself to me. He said, I look at these pictures all around this building, the men on the wall, your teammates. You guys are the history. You guys are the fabric of this organization. And I want you to let your, your teammates and the, and the alumni know that this is their home. Yeah. And he's brought so many former players, some of the Purple People leaders, back into the building. So uh, kudos to the Wilfs and Kevin Warren and everybody else, Deb and Tracy McDonald, for all that they do for my alumni brothers. Man, we couldn't be more elated. Last thing, I think we'd be remiss to not talk about um, Ryan Quigley before oh, we go. Oh, man. Because so many Vikings are having great seasons. I mean, that that's why we've won 11 games. Yeah. And we just, you know, no one talks about Ryan Quigley, but the guy is punting the heck out of the ball. I can't remember. I think it was my second year that I had one touchback during the course of a season. Yep. Thus far, Ryan has no touchbacks. Zero touchbacks. That is an unbelievable stat. Mm-hmm. He has the ability to hit that flutter ball with the nose, with the butt down, and it takes a right turn. And what he's doing in kicking the ball to the corners, what J. Ron Curse and those other guys, uh, uh, Cheryl's, are, are doing down in punts inside the five-yard line is unbelievable. He is the unsung hero mm-hmm. on this football team because when you pin a team down inside the five-yard line, and I've said this on the broadcast, when we're down inside the five, the opposing team goes three and out, that's a Quigley defensive play. Yeah, You know, that's not noted in the stats, but, man, I love Ryan Quigley, and he'll look at me and he say, what do you think? So you short-armed it. Extend the arm. Get your shoulders forward. Yeah, You know, just little things like that, that little nuances that – punters being in that fraternity nobody else would know about but man he's a special young man and i'm really really happy for him yeah we are really happy to have you on the program well, so I mean, thank anytime, you for man. your time anytime damn that 20 minutes went so fast i know you're right we can go from start to finish yeah we could and uh, and maybe someday we will we'll have to talk to abbott about sounds that. good all right thanks greg you got it all right that's going to do it for tonight's episode of skull stories we thank greg coleman once again for joining us and a reminder you can catch past episodes plus other great Vikings and KFAN radio content. The Vikings and KFAN radio have teamed up to create the all-new Vikings channel on the iHeartRadio app. To hear exclusive interviews and breakdowns of your favorite team, download the free iHeartRadio app and search Minnesota Vikings. We thank you again for listening tonight, and we encourage you to join us in the future for more episodes. On behalf of Skull Stories producer Nate Vaughn, I'm your host Mike Wobshaw, signing off for now, Skull Vikings. <laughs>